All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome, everybody, to another show, Dropping the Gloves. Kevin BX is here, Hockey Night in Canada, all-star. You you work for the Canucks, too, Kevin, right? No, I don't work for the Canucks. Um, actually, I started, like, an academy down here in California. That's what you're doing. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to keep kids in California and develop them. And all of our kids, we were just kind of talking before about college hockey. All my kids that I have want to move on and play college hockey. That's the goal. So I have a team this year that's grade 10. So they're sophomores. We played in a high school league and then we played in tier one triple A tournaments. And all those kids have the goal of playing college hockey. So I'm for the next couple of years, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm taking it as a personal challenge to move as many of them on as I can. You see that more drifting that way. I went to college. You went to Bowling Green. You had Powers drafted first overall last year. You got Fantilli going to be second overall this year. When I came into the NHL, you were right around the same time I was. There was nobody who went to college who had a serious, you know, thought of going to the NHL. What's the change? Why are more kids you'd go on the college route, do you think? Well, I think it was only a matter of time before college hockey caught up. It, just the way it's structured, I think, like you're a little bit older. And when you come out of college hockey, at least speaking from my personal experience, I was a man. I was a 23-year-old man who could bench press 350 pounds and squat 400 and you tell me 18, 19 year olds that, that can do that coming out of junior and, and not to mention the off ice. I had already lived on my own for four years, paid rent, paid utility bills, had a schedule where I didn't have a bill at mom or a bill at dad waking me up. I had to wake myself up and walk myself to class or else I didn't do well. So you're, you're just physically and emotionally, uh, and intellectually more mature. So. I think when people looked at, okay, when these kids come out of college hockey, maybe they're a couple of years older, but they're they're battle tested, they're ready to go. So I think that's why it's probably caught up. And for me, like my first college game I saw was Mike Comrie playing for Michigan. No and he's kidding. doing the wand and he's going end to end. And and I remember it in Yost in Michigan, which is probably one of the best college hockey barns that there is. And I remember thinking, wow, like this is so cool. You got all this the fans and the and like the students essentially like jumping up and down and drinking. And I thought, what a cool atmosphere. Like I want to do that. So I just, I didn't realize you, you grew up right down the road from me. I grew up in St. Catharines, Ontario, played for the Grimsby Peach Kings growing up in junior C. 
You're from I didn't know that. Yeah. So I played for the Peach Kings with Dave Brownridge. You played junior A with the Burlington Cougars, I want to say, in the tier two league there in Ontario. What got you to the to the NCAA route? Because in our area, I didn't know the NCAA existed until I went and played the North American League in Chicago. And even then I had no idea what, you know, division one hockey was. How do yeah. you end up in Bowling Green? Well, I got a, I got a long story and like, I've had a couple people come to me and, and want to write a book and I'm like, not, not yet. Like eventually, but I actually started playing. <laughs> yeah, like, I got, let, let me, You're let me so humble. <laughs> I could squat a truck. I could bench press a bowl. <laughs> people want to write books about me. They may not yet. <laughs> no, I just mean like I have so many like weird things and, and Ooh, struggles. Funny. So like I started junior B for the uh, Stony Creek Warriors back oh, then and okay. played against your St. Cal. I started tier two junior A and I worked my way out of the lineup mm-hmm. so where I was being healthy scratched one in every four games as a 16 year old. And then me and my dad were like, like, this isn't working. Let's take a step back. So I actually took a step back and went back to junior B uh, probably about February, finished playoffs there and then went back and played Burlington. Uh, the next couple of years. But the way it happens is I was drafted by Mississauga Ice Dogs, their inaugural season when Don Cherry yeah. was the owner. 17th round, I got drafted. Like, who even knew there was I was a 13th round. rounder, and I thought that was yeah. late. I'm like, dang. So 17 rounds, and huh. whatever. Like, I missed some of the prospects, tournaments leading up, but whatever. It is what it is. I went to camp, and I beat up the second rounder, the third rounder, the fifth rounder. I played really well. And I essentially made the team. GM calls me in. He goes, we want to start the season with you. And that's kind of when I've had to probably make the hardest decision of my life with my dad's counsel. Like, what do I do? Do I play OHL and like the glitz and the glamour? And it was a tough decision because it looks so cool and Don Cherry and new franchise Mississauga close to home. Or do I try to pursue a college scholarship, which I always kind of wanted to in the back of my uh, mind. So I, I don't know how I made that decision, but we're like, let's pursue this college thing. So I went to tier two and kind of the rest is history. What Kevin doesn't um, say is the second rounder was a five, six Russian. The fourth <laughs> rounder Russian. was <laughs> definitely <laughs> Russian. just all these small guys he's beating up and he doesn't mention that. <laughs> no, oh, you know funny. what? I've, I've, my favorite fights you'll learn are the ones that were, that I took shots in. I always loved fights where I got hit. I just think that's like the true, the true test of, of, of a fighter is, you know, everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. And I always consider myself like as soon as I get punched in the face, I'm a guy who's going to throw right away. I'm not going to go into a shell. And that's like my son's 15 and he talks like, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to I'm going to fight all the time. And I'm like, well, first of all, you're probably not going to have to or need to. Mm-hmm. But second of all, I go that that sounds great in theory. But what's going to happen when you get punched in the nose? Like what's your natural reaction going to be? And I'm proud to say my natural reaction was throw right away throw right away coming back has it always been like that ever since you were a kid because i'm sure you got into a couple fisticuffs growing yeah, up like two brothers old dad dad that fought we used to yeah. watch i don't know i don't think the hamilton double rinks was probably in your minor mm-hmm. hockey no it was it was a rink in hamilton and probably the worst part like literally people were like dying of cancer from the air in this area yeah and they put a rink in there where all the steel workers were going on their lunch breaks and it was all day shinny. And, and that's what I started playing is kind of go there with buddies and we play all day shinny with these steel workers. And, and that's where I got in my first on ice hockey fights is against steel workers with nobody else around. As soon as the fight's over, pick your stuff back up, 
And see, I'm fired. <laughs> you get one. You get one. Yeah. Pick your stuff back up and, and keep playing. And and those were kind of my and then growing up in your area, Port Dalhousie. Port yeah. Dalhousie was a spot that we'd all go. And you know, Zen and Kanopka is my age, and we grew up together. And he bought a bar at 18 years old, jailhouse, which was in Port Dalhousie. And you go to Port Dalhousie, and somebody looks at you the wrong way. It's there's fights. So kind of kind of grew up with the fighting, but but never like any weapons or anything like that. Yeah. So it was always kind of like clean fighting. It's always one on one, just fists, no weapons or anything like that. So I mean, you you, you survive. There's a hundred percent chance we were in the same bar. Because I, I worked in Port Dalhousie, I worked at Port Mansion, I worked at Lakeside, I worked at my yeah. cottage. I worked all those bars, and I went to them all the time, and I got in fights quite a bit. Are you older than me? I'm a year younger? younger. I'm an 82. Oh, then we definitely were at the same time. Yeah, yeah that's so funny. And I, I knew Nopper just because he was better at hockey than everybody, so I knew of him. I only met him when I played with him, gosh, with the Buffalo Sabres. But now what, a beauty that, what a beauty now that guy is, right? Yeah, he's... A, <laughs> one of the top guys all right talk about fighting then you say you like it you say you like getting hit then why start with the superman punch and knock everybody out if you want to get hit in the face so much because you've done the superman punch kostopoulos you beat up gudas andreoff you did it versus richards who's just a little guy why he's the same same size as me no he's not yes he is you've lied twice now on this podcast <laughs> and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you lie anymore you're taller than he is you have to be barely Okay. If I am by a sliver, like I am a, a poor man, six one debunked already. You just admitted it. You're a terrible liar. You just gave yourself up. Where does this come into effect? Because I, I don't have the agility to do that. Uh, the mm. Superman punch. I'm not going to lie and say I didn't try and practice after I saw you do it because it's such a surprising thing. And I'm sure you've talked about this before. I, I haven't heard it. Where does that come from? Well, the, the first one I ever threw was uh, in a street fight out of necessity in college. I was I was fighting this. I got paired up with this 300 pound rugby guy, and I just I knew it wasn't going to go well for me. So it was kind of like my first attempt at throwing a Superman punch, and that's when UFC started the show, okay. the UFC fighting show. And and at the time, George St. Pierre GSP was one of the top fighters in UFC. And if you ever watched any of his fights, he threw the Superman punch as he was going backwards, as he was going forwards, and so I honestly like. YouTube did and Googled what a Superman punch is. And it's not just a jumping up in the air and, and throwing a punch. It's more like a catapult thing. Like leg goes back, arm goes forward. It's leverage, it's momentum. And man, when it connects, it's like, it's power. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on in my head. And then you, you watch Rick Rippon. If people remember the way Rick Rippon fought, he was, I think the pound for pound toughest guy that ever played in the NHL. And, and it's too bad that it ended so soon. And he threw coming in every fight. And he came from a boxing background. His dad's a gold gloves boxer. His brother was one of the toughest guys in the WHL ever. And he always threw coming in. I always kind of watched him. And I'm like, what an advantage to come in and hit the guy with the first punch. And then now all of a sudden he's on defense and he's protecting. And then you get your grab real early. And then boom, you control the fight. So it was like a lot of those different things like GSP, cool. I want to get that first punch in and put the guy on defense. It was all those things. And and I threw the Superman punch on the ice so many times, but I only landed, I only landed the ones that you just mentioned. So there's a lot that I missed. The one guy who used to throw the heavies was Matt Karkner. And it always threw me off guard because you're not playing defense just yet. And he would rip me right in the ear every time. The fear is you miss that punch, right? 
And then you're, then you're out. I missed it once. Uh, Aaron Boros, if you remember that guy, you might even have played with him. I played in, with in him. Minnesota. I don't like Aaron that much. He was well, anyways, but pro- pro- the probably the most gratifying fight I've ever had was caving in his face. But anyways, I threw a punch at him and I missed him. And I it was at the beginning of the second period in, in Vancouver. I slid all the way to the far end because yeah. the ice was clean. So I got back up and I had to race over to him before the linesman came in and broke it up. And then we ended up fighting and I ended up dropping him because he he chopped me in the back of the leg while we were skating around in between periods when no no referees were on. I, I didn't like that. So I got him for you. Don't worry. He's one of those players who... I, I talk about this about Galchenyuk, where he just had one good year. Voros had a good 10 games when he got mm-hmm. called up to the wild, scored like five goals, had a bunch of fights, and he turned it into like a four or five year career. But he's just such a jerk. I didn't see those 10 games. He see, well, <laughs> the wild did. And then he went nuts. And like, he's just like, uh, he thought he was so tough. But, anyways, okay, we talk about fighting a little more. Uh, I released on Twitter, I got Kevin Bieksa coming on. Everybody wanted to talk about the Blackhawks brawl. Yeah. Where you get this is the thing. I watched it a couple times. Does Eager drop you with that left? Because it looks like you almost fell over. And then you got up and you just like the wires crossed and you went a little nuts. Walk yeah. us through that whole thing. Okay, so like the way that happened was you remember it was it was a heated rivalry. Oh yeah. And and we were both really good teams and uh, we didn't have a heavyweight on our team though. If you remember at that point nope. and, and eager Eager was like at that point, a light heavyweight. So he was in that two twenty six two, and there was bigger guys at that point, like the McGrattans and the guys like you, but then he was kind of that second tier, yep. like the Sean, Sean Thornton's and the Portachucks, that light heavy. Mm-hmm. So like he always kind of wanted to fight me because he was fighting down and I was had to fight up a class and, Anyways, like he always wanted me and and so we kind of got paired up there and it happened. You know, you're not gonna say no, but he like my jersey kind of comes up if I remember it right, and I can't really see, and he lets go of me and he throws a left stiff jab. But no, like it knocked my tooth out. That knocked out my first it did. It was it was stiff, and I watched it over again and I remember the feeling of it. I'm like, holy crap, like that was a stiff left. Yeah. And then but again, pop right back up. And I remember after the game, like when I skated off the ice, my shirt's ripped and everything, and I'm bleeding, and the fans at United Center are going nuts because they probably just love that I just got dropped. And I gave them the old shh to the crowd, you know, just trying to save face a little. But I went into the dressing room, and I was like, you know, the worst part of a fight is losing it. And I'm just kind of like down, and Shane O'Brien's like, no, you did really good. And I'm like, no, like, I lost that fight. He goes, yeah, but, like, at least you kept fighting. And so, again... He won that fight though. I can I can tip my cap when I lost. I didn't lose a lot of fights, but that one got me the stiff one. And then yeah, he's a tough. I, kid. Could, I, I couldn't get him back afterwards because the linesmen keep coming in, and he kept body slamming me. On he's the a ice. strong guy. Let's talk about that rivalry because I was a part of that. I came to the Hawks after their first cup, so we played you guys the third year when you beat yeah. us in Game Seven in overtime when Chris Campoli failed clearing attempt. And I think Burles was the one who got it. It was just such a terrible, terrible decision by him. What was that? Wait, wait, wait. Do, do you want me? Can I tell a quick story about that? I would love to. So I saw him at the NHL PA golf tournament in the, yeah. that summer, right after Campoli. Yeah. And I go, uh, so we're talking and he goes, Hey, and I go, how was your year? And he goes, uh, and I go, where were you this year? Like, I, I just forgot what team no he was way. on. Like, and he goes, are you kidding me? He goes, I'm the one that gave the puck away in game seven. I go, oh, man, that's right. I felt so bad, right? You, uh, actually, 
I didn't remember. I still pictured him in a New York Islanders jersey for some reason. But... No, we picked him up at the deadline. Do you remember how that game went to overtime? Oh, yeah. It was borderline my fault. You was guys it really? Well, it Short-handed. Against me and Hamus, who were a combined plus 65 that year, and he just danced us both. So I was I was in the locker room for that. I played game four, five, and six. I was 3-0. Joel Quindle comes up to me before game seven and he goes, we're going to sit you. We're going to play a young kid named Marcus Kruger. So, and it was an unbelievable series. What did you guys feel like you had the cup one after that? Because the Hawks had beaten you two previous years. The West was so strong, so incredibly strong. Then you get by the San Jose Sharks. How, how happy were you when you beat a, the Hawks, then the Sharks? Both in overtime, you get that big goal to send you to the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't want to bring up the Boston series. Everybody knows about that. But just talk about slaying Dragons because you had been such a good team for so long. And then all of a sudden, you're like, gotcha, suck it, Hawks. Beat the Sharks. Here we go. Yeah. I remember, like, after we were up 3 nothing, and I was lined up in a face-off with Patty Kane. And he's like, is this the year, Kev? Are you guys going to do it this year? And I go, well if you guys would just let us win this series, like we'll have a lot better chance. And then he mm-hmm. kind of like chuckled and then boom, you guys rattled off three wins in a row. Next thing you know, I always tell everyone it was the least fun game I ever played in my life was game seven against Chicago because I just wanted to blink and have the win. I didn't care how it happened, anything. I just, it was, there was so much pressure because we knew we were probably getting blown up if we lost that game. They're going to mm-hmm. trade everybody. Coaches were fired. And so we, we get the one nothing lead and we're like, kind of sitting on it and everything's great. We get a power play, you know, first unit goes out, doesn't score. Our second unit was so good. We go out and Taves decides to go end end and gets a bounce and scores. And we go in in between overtime and, and we're just like, Oh my God, it was the worst feeling ever. And then luckily after that burst laid the dragon, but it was relief. Like I, I didn't care so much about the win. It was like, Oh, we didn't lose. Like that was the relief. And then after yeah. that, we, we cruised like Nashville was good, but we didn't, didn't have any problems with them. San Jose was like, if you remember, I thought they were the best team in the West that year. Yep. We cruised, cruised through them because it was the Chicago hurdle that we just needed to get through. I remember playing, it was before game five or something. We were walking around Vancouver. Some old lady comes up, honks her horn. She had the oxygen thing in her nose. It was me, Kaner, I think Boland. And she flips us the bird out the window, like some 70 year old lady. I'm like, this is so great. It was so well, you were you were trying to stir the pot a little bit that series on the media, weren't you? If I remember yeah. correctly. Well, because that's when Torres buried Seabrook behind the net. Oh, and so yeah. I wanted to fight him. And every time I tried to fight him, the refs kicked me out. So I, it was I couldn't get it. You know what? Was that your was Brian Bickle on your team that year? Yeah. yeah. He he did the exact same hit to me in Chicago. And it was a clean hit, though. Your, yeah. The one on you is super clean. It didn't feel good though. <laughs> and I don't know how clean it was, but it was the same hit. Like Rafi could hit oh. like an absolute and he had perfect timing and he was that he's like really springy and explosive. And yeah. I hate to play it against that guy. I had him in San Jose. He was the one of him and Mike Brown, probably the two strongest guys yeah. who didn't do anything. Didn't lift the weight and they were just naturally no, strong. B- Brownie did. Brownie trains. He, he told does. me. I-, I remember working out with him. He's like, I can't work out too hard or else I get too big. Yeah. Because he's I, just a mutant. Well, look at his Instagram now. He still does workout, personal workout videos. And his kids are like getting jacked too, like him. Go to boys. the, what's it? The Brown Beauty. That's, Brown. that's his Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good one. Do you think, okay. 
Is there any rivalries like the Hawks and the Canucks had in the NHL right. today? No, because it was the combination of the the physical and how good we were. So uh, there's just not those physical battles. Like, what was the best game of the regular season this year, in your opinion? Can you think about it off the top of your head? Well, it's probably the Blues, Minnesota, St. Louis, just a physical game. But I thought it was Rangers, Flames, Rangers, Flames in Madison Square Garden. Um, It starts with like a guy elbowing Lucic, Lucic soccer's on big brawl. Then there's the Truba hits, Mm -hmm. fights after both ones. Like you need both, I think, in, in the NHL. Like the NHL is still a physical sport. I think that's what draws the majority of fans. And there's this new like faction that wanted to be all skill, and they just want the Zegras goals and all that. And I'm all for the skill part, but I think you need both. If you want it to be the best league in the world, and the most entertaining, and certainly the league that I grew up loving, and a lot of other people that are fans still, you need both. And the Chicago had both. It had physical, it had high-end skill. You're talking about tons of Hall. We had three Hall of Famers on our team that were just inducted. You'll have at least four Hall of Famers. Four or on five, that team. yeah. Or yeah. Hosa, five. So you're talking about like the best of the best in, in yeah. terms of skill. But then you had the Buffalins and like the Kesslers and like you had all this sandpaper and the Bolins. And, and that's why it was so good and entertaining. Do you? I was thinking about this and I, and I everybody I interview former players, my gosh, how would they do in the NHL today? Because the game has changed so much, even from the five years that you've been out. What you've been up for what? Four, three. Yeah. Four. You're the one guy who I feel like would be better because the type of player that you are, there's not many guys who do what you do anymore. Either a puck moving defenseman or you're out of the game these days. So the fifth and sixth guys are not, you know, you, do you feel like if you were to step into the NHL today, 23, 24, 25-year-old Kevin Bieksa, you'd be more effective than you were 15 years ago when you entered the league? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I always try to think of myself as a guy who could play in any era. Like I've, I've, I think I could play in any era because I would just do what I had to do to play it. Like obviously I would be a puck, more of a puck moving guy these days and I think I could have played in the 60s or 70s when it was just chaos out there too. Yeah. So no, you you adapt to to every era. Like I always consider myself complete. So if I wasn't good at something, I'd try to work maybe a little bit harder at that to be just kind of a well-rounded complete player. Well, you look at the Canucks out. Well, when you played, they said, "Well, I don't know if BX is going to be able to be on the team if we want to be a competitive team after your first year, second year. We don't know yeah. if he's going to fit." Then you all of a sudden you turn into this guy who's a cornerstone of the team, one of the leaders, one of the best players on the the team. This year's team, lots of high end skill. They're saying the same thing about Kyle Burrows. We don't think we can have him on our team if he's good enough. What do you think? Do you see any similarities with him? I know a lot of people who listen or don't know who Kyle Burrows is or that mm-hmm. name at all, but. How important it is to have a guy like you on the back end where you can do everything because you can't just have Quinn Hughes and Oliver Ekman Larson's and Tyler Myers and puck moving guys because I don't I know you know I don't want to dump on the Canucks, but that's where you end up. You need to have balance. Well, Ken Hitchcock did a podcast a couple weeks ago and he said the game misses those wild cards. Those guys that you circle on the board before the game and watch this guy. Keep your head up when this guy's on the ice. And those are the guys at the end of the day that are hard to play against. So if you're a skill forward and you know, oh, there's there's Kyle Burroughs. Like this guy's a wild card. Keep your head up. He's got to throw like the sealer kid on Philly. Yeah, He's a wild card. 
there's not many wild cards anymore. Tom Wilson, obviously, would be probably the most popular choice, but those wild cards are so important, I think. So, I mean, I don't know. As far as the Canucks, like, I, when I went into my first, like, I have a weird story. Again, it centers around fighting a Russian guy in a bar and all that. But when I went to my first actual camp, it was the lockout year 2004. It was a full lockout. So we knew there was no NHL, and it was essentially a trial for the HL. Well, I was on a three-way contract back then, three-way. So NHL, yep. AHL, and then I had an, a contract in the East Coast League. I was penciled in the start in the East Coast League yep. when I went to camp. And they had seven defensemen signed already on AHL. I stole someone's position. I just went out there and I took it in a, in a camp. And then I had a really good season that year in the AHL with Randy Carlisle, the head coach, learned a ton, came in humble, made sure I did whatever it took to stay in the lineup every day, fought. 15 times, had 41 points or 42, whatever. So then when I went into the NHL again, like I, I still had, I kind of had proven myself at that level a little bit. You know what I mean? Yep. So they're just like, can you do this at the NHL level? Well, my first year, I didn't. I was really safe, played 39 games, bit of a meathead, hit everything in sight. And then my second, my first full season, my second year, I waited for an injury. Sammy Salo got hurt. I'm on the second unit power play, scored my first NHL goal, and then kind of the rest is history. So you mentioned the Canucks didn't have a heavyweight. Is that the reason why I had to fight Alexander Bolduke and just beat his uh, doors off in front of your whole bench and no one no one did anything? Well, he was the guy. He, the reason he probably did that is he was trying to stay in the lineup. Okay. He had, he had no business fighting you, but he was a call-up, and he was just trying to stay. And, he, and to be honest, I love Bolduke. He's not even tough. <laughs> like, I don't even know if he would, but I don't know if he would beat somebody in, in, in like a middleweight. I don't even think he would beat a middleweight maybe. And that's not being disrespectful. That's just calling a spade a spade. He was a good player, but I think he just did kind of like how this whole thing started with me and you. It was like a, a comment on the Dorset fight with you. Like Bull Duke did that because he thought it was the right thing to do. And he was trying to stay in the league and he knew that or somebody had to fight you or you weren't going to stop. Right. So he took. You know, he took the sandwich and he ate it. That was one of my favorite fights just because I, I just didn't Old get Duke? it once. Yeah, it was just a fun one because it was in front of your bench. And you mentioned Ripper. He was there trying to stop the fight from the bench. And I think you were down in the tunnel because you were scared of the violence. Oh, yeah, but it for was sure. just really funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's your favorite fight, eh? No, it's not. My favorite uh, one is my first one, George Peros. I caught him my first NHL fight and he went down. I didn't knock him out. When I knocked him down, it looked great. What about what about when you tried to fight Phil Kessel? Was that one of your favorite fights too? No. Oh, <laughs> that, do you know why I did that? Is because well, your buddy Randy Carlisle wouldn't put out a tough guy to fight me. It was the preseason, and I talked to him like Randy, put out whoever you want, or yeah. McLaren, Troy Bodie, uh, Frazier, the big defenseman, and he puts out Kessel. So what am I going to do? Yeah. Did you have any intention of actually fighting Kessel? Or were you just trying to like instigate to get one of the other guys to come out? I'll be honest with you, Kevin. If I would have grabbed him, I would have beat the shit out of him. You would have, eh? Okay. And that's the type of guy that I am. I know. Clearly. <laughs> Let's see how this interview has been reversed now when I'm asking the questions. Well, it's an interest because that's that's what everybody knows me as that and then i guess yeah. i made the all-star game in 2016 i don't know if you knew that but yeah didn't didn't, didn't watch it that year 
No, it wasn't very memorable. There's making a movie about it. It's fine. I, I wrote a book. You want to write a book? I did. I did already write a book. It was a bestseller. All right. Um, a couple more things. Do you remember the one time I was with Chicago? You were with the Canucks. Obviously, you didn't get to play as many teams as I did. weren't that wanted, I guess. Um, I was wheeling the puck if I can wheel, and I crossed the Vancouver Blue Line, and you could have buried me absolutely crushed me and you said heads up scotty or heads up big boy and i stopped and you just took the puck from me and went the other way do you remember that at all i don't the only reason i kind of know is because you mentioned something about it before on a text but i don't i don't really remember that specifically i remember a time when i i was driving the net in nashville and shea weber was going to fall backwards three feet away from the boards backwards into the boards and i caught him so I had like these little moments of humanity, I guess. Yeah, I was surprised that you did that, to be honest. You know, with you. I, I was never, never suspended and never fined in my whole NHL career. And I definitely wouldn't consider myself anywhere near clean. Like no, I was no kidding, but never like always kind of hovered on the line. Very, very rarely. And when I did cross the line, like I elbowed guys in the head, did all that stuff. Yeah. But I never got, never got caught. I noticed watching your fights, you enjoy hitting guys on the ice. Was that intentional or you just caught up in the action? I got better as my career went on. But Mm -hmm. when I was younger, uh, I had a huge chip on my shoulder, huge chip on my shoulder going back to the Port Dalhousie days and and just the way I grew up in Hamilton. And the fight's not over until it's over. So you go to the ground and like in a street fight, you go to the ground, the fight's not over. No. Yeah. So I was just always like, just keep fighting, just keep fighting. If, if you watch all my fights at the beginning, like even the first half of my career, as soon as like we go to the ice, I spring up right away. Because it's like, Everyone, oh my God, like, yeah. you, you got to be ready. Like, yeah. What if the linesmen don't come in? Or what if there are no linesmen like in the double ranks when I used to fight? So, but no, my first fight, I remember I hit the guy after and again, like came over to me and he's like, and, and I remember your buddy Peroch the one time also I hit, I think Sean O'Donnell on the ground after a fight and they're like, don't do that. Yeah. And obviously right away I was like, what are you going to do about it? But now looking back, I probably shouldn't have done that. Well, you live and learn, right? You get older. You yeah. Learn some lessons. All right. A couple more, then we'll let you go. The difference between Vancouver, hockey centric town. Oh, did you know you were going to get traded? That's what I wanted to ask you because I've been dealt a couple times. You were the guy in Vancouver, one of the main cocks, Sadines, Luongo, Burroughs, Kessler. I think Luongo had been traded by that point. Did you know you were going to get traded or was it a yes. surprise? You did. No, I was, I was told that I could pick my team. So I had one year left on my contract yep. and in the summer they told my agent, and I, they said, we're, we're not going to re-sign Kevin after next year. We're going full rebuild mode. Kessler had already left. Luongo was already gone. They said, um, you can either wait till the next year and we'd love to have you back, or you can get ahead of this and you can look for a team this year and we'll make it happen. All we want is a second rounder in return. So we, we kind of had... They gave you the return that they wanted. Wow. Yeah. I, so we knew. So... My agent started putting away around floaters like Kevin's available. This was actually at the end of the season. I think the yeah, season was, was still going on. And first team that called me, Doug Wilson in San Jose. They flew my wife and I down like a week later, wine and dined us, went around, picked out a house. They're no like, kidding. we want you, offer me an extension, three-year extension. And uh, so I called, I did my due diligence, talked to a couple other teams. And then my wife and I are like, we don't really want to go to San Jose, but like we kind of have to, like, it's the best offer. They really want you. So we're like, we want to do this. They're like, okay. 
And then when it came time to make the trade, there were some issues and I had gone home for the summer and it took a couple weeks. San Jose was trying to give him a second rounder for the following year. Vancouver was like, no, it's McDavid's draft year. It's a really strong draft. We want it for this year. And it fell through. And then I scrambled last minute and Anaheim was still kind of at the table. So that's how, that's how that happened. Was there any other teams that you wanted to go to? Uh, I didn't want to go anywhere. Like I remember yeah. my agents like make a list of the top 10 teams you, you want to go to. And I honestly sat down and I looked at a computer and I'm like, I was just a, I don't know. I was a, I was a Vancouver Canuck. Yeah. I was like, live and die Vancouver Canuck. And everybody else was the enemy for so long. Like come up through the system. I didn't want to leave to be honest. So I looked at every team and I'm like, don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I had no list. So it became kind of easier. It was like, okay, well, who wants me? Because yeah. I don't really want to go anywhere. And the teams were like Detroit and Ottawa and Columbus and San Jose and Anaheim. And and then you just, okay, well, I don't really like any of those either. So who really wants me? Well, it was San Jose and it was Anaheim. So then that's kind of how that happened. Do you regret not just retiring, saying, you know, I'll play that one year and that's it? No, uh, no. the way it happened, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be living here now. I stayed in Anaheim area. And my kids are super happy. My wife's happy and everything works out for a reason. Was Kessler on that Anaheim team? He was there. He came the year before I did. Yeah. There you go. You guys yeah. are best friends. We had familiarity. There you go. One question I wanted to ask. Well, a bunch more. I only have three minutes left of my meeting because I'm cheap as hell. That's um, embarrassing, by the way. Isn't it? What do you think? We have a you professional got- show. Like this is a popular show. Yeah, but you got like all your engineering things in the background, but then you don't have a Zoom membership for five bucks a month. I do, but it's with the Dropping the Gloves show and my co-host bailed on me today. So it's just me. And so I couldn't access our show stuff. Okay. And I need to get a better backdrop. That doesn't do it for the YouTube hits. Not like yours. I love the the warm concrete walls you have. It's really <laughs> inviting. It's really cool. <laughs> my wife's that my wife's the call let my wife know you don't approve. No, it's great. It's that industrial. I love it. It's super like uh what's that? Like fight club. It's like the like fight club. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's nice. Is she just flipping me off behind the camera? All right, couple more and I'll let you go. I know you got hockey night in Canada tonight or so. How do you get that gig, by the way? Do they just call you or you just have to put a resume together? No, like um, they kind of reached out to me uh, when I, I went to the Spangler Cup in Switzerland. I came back and they asked me to do a hockey night in Canada game in L.A. It was the Oilers versus L.A. They knew I lived there. Like, can you drive in and do a little hit with Scott Oak? And it, it honestly probably came around from doing all the after hours with Scott Oak. Yeah. No, and, you and we we had like some chemistry. And next thing you know, they asked me to come to the studio and the rest is history. And now you're killing. All right. Some quick hits. Your best fight in the NHL, which one should people watch? Oh, like the Voros one is good. Um, I had a lot of good fights with Kyle Clifford that I enjoyed. I knew you were going to ask this, so I kind of looked at some of my fights. My Your first NHL fight's always special. It was at home ice, Byron Ritchie, and the crowd was going nuts. Um, Mike Richards, I always enjoyed those. Simmons. You fought a lot of heavy guys out of your weight class. That's the yeah, problem well, with you. You were too tough for your size. Yeah, like at the end of my career too, I yeah. was fighting the heavyweights that yeah. that were used to be middleweights, but now they were the toughest guys out there. Like the Clifford, Clifford was kind of like a light heavyweight, and at the end, I mean, that's the guys I had to fight. 
Yeah. So, All right. Um, best food in the league on the road. I always enjoyed uh, North Restaurant, which is remember the JW Marriott in Cherry Creek, Denver. Yeah, yeah. Right, bes- right beside it was a North uh, Italian restaurant. They had the best chicken parm and rigatoni in the world. I do that. I was just gonna. Are you a strict diet guy, like Jacob Chitron? No, like I needed calories. I was a yeah. guy that had to work to keep the weight keep on. Weight so on. I, needed, I needed calories. Toughest forward to defend. Joe Sakic. Joe Sakic. Anybody you want to fight that didn't say yes? Dion Phaneuf. No, really? I had, and I know he's a nice guy. I'm supposed to golf with him soon. I ran into him at his club. I had like a, you know, the Bob? You know, yep. the, oh, uh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the Bob with no arms? Yep. I, I would I would put on, I actually wrote on the forehead Dion, and that's what <laughs> I would practice punching in the summer. <laughs> He was just he was he was my guy. We came at the same time. He was a really good player in Calgary, Vancouver, and I just always wanted to fight him. Well, that's awesome. We'll leave it with that. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 